What is good, everybody? Welcome back to Diamond Talk. I know we've been away for a little while. Again, technical difficulties. We're working on on getting some stuff uh, better for you guys. And, you know, every time you make an omelet, you got to crack a few eggs and it gets messy. But we're here with, with, with Rob and Nick, man. How you guys doing? Man, Daniel, Daniel still got his mind out here on breakfast. But anyway, <laughs> I'm doing good, fellas. Um, good to be here for another week. Definitely, you know, it, hey, we give it another week, but it gives it a good amount of time for some storylines to actually form that we can actually cover. So ready to dive in. Yeah, I'm doing great. I get to start off the episode with, man, Randy Rosa Radio's got his own land in Tampa Bay. Let's raise it up. Let's talk some positivity about the Rays. Oh, my God. No, not. It's too early for the Rays. Never too Yankees early for the Rays. The Rays last night, by the way. Yeah, last Yankees night. Yankees beat the Rays, I mean, yesterday. And there's a good chance they, they beat him today with Garrett Cole. So they, they might win that series. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But let, let's start off there, man. Let, let's do a little little quick buy and sell, right? Let, let's let's see some of the players who are doing well and, and whether we're buying their performances or we're saying that's fake as hell. And we'll start off the Rays. Buy or sell the Rays being the best team in baseball. Nick, we'll start with you because I already know the answer that's coming out of you. You know, it's it's to say best team in baseball is tough. I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Last year they were rough. They had the most injuries, both number of players and number of days on the IL of any team in Major League Baseball, and they were still competitive. They're showing it again this year. They already don't have their top two starting pitchers. Um, so it's they're just putting it together like they always do. They have the depth, even though you don't know the names. And when you've got some of your guys coming through, like Randy Rosarena, uh, you know, almost leading the world in everything right now. Not really, but he's starting off hot, 325, 397 with a 999 OPS. He's got the power with nine bombs, three steals. Like, he's putting it together. He's having fun, and one thing that the Rays never seemed to have in the past was an actual leader. Once Longoria left, there was no identity to that team. Like, Longoria was the Rays for the longest time. They're starting to get some identity back with the Rosarena, and Wander Franco is what he was supposed to be. Like, Daniel, you're right. He's maybe the best prospect and now one of the best young players in the entire game. Um, you know, the whole ball flip, just casual. Hey, let me toss this to myself. Let me increase my level of difficulty on a straight-up ground ball to me. I don't like it, but you know what? He made the play, and he made it as if he knew he was going to make it. I can't hate on that. Like, if that's what you're going to do to put some love into the game, put some excitement into it, as long as you make the play, that's fine. Had he missed it or thrown it away, different story, but he did it. And this is what you want in baseball, both old school and new school. They are putting it together every single way, offensively, defensively, pitching, you know, coaching calls, players on the field. They're they're just doing it the right way. Um I don't know if I would necessarily pick them to be the best team in the league, but I don't know who I would pick over them at this point in time. And that's where I really sit. Maybe the Braves, probably the Braves are to choose a different team, but the Rays are putting it together in a fun way. And you've got some guys really coming to the forefront to be, uh, you know, to be the team leader, which is really, really fun to watch. But uh, Randy Rosarena got his own land every Friday night. There's special tickets, T-shirt for him. If he hits a home run that game, one free beer for everybody over there. Um, so, I mean, the Rays are doing some things they haven't done in the past as far as marketing as well, trying to get their team out there, the name out there, um, and just building off of this. But they're, they're off to a hot start. It's not going to stay like this for the entire season. They're going to lose some series, whether it's to the Yankees or anybody else. But they just swept the Pirates, who came in as the hottest team in the National League. So they, they are handling their business in every step of the way so far. I see it continuing. I don't see who's going to really take them off outside of injuries. The problem with this question is that there's a lot of different ways to look at it. So if if you're asking me, like, do I buy the Rays being the best team in baseball by the time we get to the end of the season? No, I don't think they're going to have the best record in the game of baseball. If you're asking me right now, kind of like Nick mentioned, you kind of have to give them the little bit of of the boost 
because of how they've been playing some games. But their only competition right now is the Braves. Um, and, and I say that because if you look at some of the teams that are directly behind them, it's either contenders that we've seen before, like a, like a team like the Dodgers, but that have, haven't even gotten to a point of being like necessarily hot yet where they're close. Or you have a, a couple of like new up and coming teams, the Baltimore Orioles, the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, even a, a team like the Texas Rangers, who, you know, in, in terms of last week, I was seeing some people rank the Texas Rangers as high as fifth in, in terms of power rankings, you know, so they're getting a lot more eyes on, on them. I think they're getting a lot of new blood in, in the race, but I think, look, it, it pretty much comes down to the Rays or the Braves right now. Um, I would say the way that they're playing right now, the way that the performances that they're getting from Randy Rosarena, who, again, I've talked a lot about before, we needed to see this type of regular season from him. It, it can't just be in the postseason. Like, it's great in the postseason, don't get me wrong, and it's definitely needed. But for the Rays to be able to dominate the way that they have been dominating some teams, um, and get off to this early hot start, you know, where they're almost already at 30 wins. Um, if it's because of performances like Randy Rosarena, it's because of what Wander Franco is doing. You need both. Both of these guys are their best players in terms of position players. You need both of the guys to be extremely hot for you to get off to this, you know, extremely hot start. And that's exactly what the Rays have gotten. I'm I'm selling hard on this, right? Like, I know oh, man, that I'm open- I'm I'm super surprised. Oh, Shocker! <laughs> Look, like hot take you can of only- the year. You can only play the teams that are on your schedule, right? So, so I can't sit here and say, oh, this, you know, if, just based on schedule. However, against teams with winning records last year, they've lost both those series so far. And again, if they lose today on Sunday to Garrett Cole and the Yankees, that'd make it just another team that had a, over a 500 record last year that beat them in another series. Is that alarming? I'm not going to say it's alarming, right? I'm not going to say, oh, it means that they're a bad team or anything like that. But to me, it is concerning, right? Because the Rays are have been talked about as this dominant team. And they have been dominant. They lead the league in every important category. Runs, runs differential, uh, runs not allowed, right? Like, these are things that good teams need to do. However, they've also had the, the, the favorable schedule of playing quadruple a teams man look oakland's been on their schedule already i think twice that's kind of like a you know i'm not gonna say they're triple a team but they're probably the closest thing it gets to at the major league level right you've had a game against the nationals again i don't think anyone thinks the nationals here are are playing to win this year or playing in a way that they can win this year right then add other last place teams that they've that they've played so far this year, but when they've played the the um, the Jays, really important team in the AL East, in my opinion, Jays finished first place in the AL East. But you're playing when they play the Jays, the Jays, you lose that series, right? Um, when you play, I, I forget their teams, but basically they've they've lost every series against the you know quote unquote good teams from last year, and that, that's a little bit worrying, right? Plus you just lost Jeffrey Springs for for the season. He was someone that you were relying on, right? He, that's someone that they thought they were getting side young votes. Yes, you have Ty the Glass now eventually coming back, but you know you mentioned the Rangers and the Grom. That's Ty the Glass now is the Grom to me, and, and the fact that he can't stay healthy, right? So maybe that helps, maybe that doesn't, right? Maybe, it, it will help, right? I think it will help, but I also think that you know for how long, right? We, we're gonna we're gonna um, say some guys are are you know, meant to be injured, 
for, for other teams, we have to say it for the Rays, too. Tyler Glass now is that guy. But, you know, I, I think it's tough for me. Give me the Braves. Give me the Braves all day. I, I don't even think it's close. Ronald Acuna Jr. is having legitimately an, an MVP season where it's, you know, when we look back this year on Ronald Acuna Jr., we might be saying some crazy superlatives. So, you know, for me, it's the, it's, it's the Braves and it's not, it's not easy. Let me give you another buy sell. You're wearing, you're wearing the Pirates hat. Buy or sell the Pirates making the playoffs this year. Something that I don't think anyone would have said before, you know, May, whatever day is seven. You know, uh, I, I can't homer enough to buy it. Um, the, what, the only shot they have is, for me, the fact that the Cardinals are as dumpster fire as the A's at this point, which didn't see that coming. Um, I, I can't buy them being in the playoffs. I don't see them being one of the best six teams in the National League, even with their start, even with my homerism, even with the young guys they have coming up, even with the way Andrew McCutcheon's playing. Um, like, I, I don't even know if they finish 500 baseball the rest of the year. Not overall. I think they're going to play over 500 full season because of what they've built up. But I think they're going to play about 500 the rest of the year. Um, the only way they make the playoffs is if they win first place because the rest of the division played down, which right now it's looking like that. They're on a six-game losing streak, and so are the Brewers. Like, the other big team over there in the NL Central is also on a six-game losing streak. So if the rest of the of their division plays to their level the rest of the year, then they're going to be in there. But as much as I want to, man, as much as I want to buy them being in the playoffs, I just can't do it. I don't see them having, unless they win the NL Central, I don't see them taking any of the wild card spots. But that's also for anybody out of the NL Central. I don't see a wild card coming out of there. Rob, what, I, what about you, buddy, man? But by yourself, Pirates making the playoffs this year. Yeah, man, I, I have to easily agree with, with Nick on this one. Pirates, I can't see them making the playoffs again because of, it's mainly because of the route that they would have to take. They don't, they're not going to have a shot to win one of, one of the wild cards, so they have to take first. You already see that, you know, from the East or the West, depending on what you pick, you're going to have three teams come out of one and then two come out of the other more than likely. Um, you know, even if you ask me, like, look at, look at a team like last year that was kind of in the same place, I'd have more faith in the Arizona Diamondbacks making the postseason this year than, than the Pirates. I, I picked them as one of my surprise teams, not necessarily to make the postseason, but to at least play over 500 ball and finish third in the division, they're second right now, I think a game or two ahead of, of the Padres. Um, so they're a team that I could see more likely kind of playing to that level. The Pirates on their end, they're going to get, look, they're going to get a, a, a very possibly great, maybe best season of his career from Brian Reynolds. If he keeps playing the way that he's playing, they're going to have a great comeback season from Andrew McCutcheon. It's already been a pretty, a pretty good comeback season. I think, and like I mentioned before, he's going to get to the 2000 hit club this year. So that'll be something that, you know, Pittsburgh fans can can definitely celebrate on their end. But making the postseason is going to be tough this year. And I'll say this, at least, I, it sucks because it's one of those teams where if they made the postseason, their fans would actually care and like be like make it a, a good thing to have a, you know, a wild card series out there or whatever it is. So Pittsburgh is definitely one of those teams that we want to see get back in there. We want to see them, but we also want to see them get back with a competitive team that could actually make some noise. I just don't know if this team is that yet. Like, this is probably a team that I would just classify as a hot start and then come all-star break, like, we might them, we might see them slowing down quite a bit. It's not so much about their, their talent level. I think there's – the way I see the NL shaking out, I can't imagine more than one team in the NL Central making the playoffs, especially with teams like the Braves and the Mets atop the AL East, especially, like, teams like the Dodgers, Padres, and, and Diamondbacks in, in the NL West. I, I just don't see a world where – There'll be enough wins in that NL Central to have two to have two teams going. Uh, you know, again, my 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 NL League uh, Rays, the Brewers, will probably win that division, right? 
just like everyone is kind of like fawning over Magic with the AL East, I, I think that's the uh, Brewers in the NL Central here. So I, I, I think that they'll end up winning the division. And if they win the division, I don't see anybody else being able to you know, conjure up enough wins against the other d- divisions to, to actually make the playoffs. So that's kind of the only reason why, um, you know, there's that, that division is so interesting this year, uh, and not for good reason. Uh, <laughs> but l- l- let's do let's do one more buy sell, and that is gonna be Masataka Yoshida of the Red Sox. Are we buying uh, Mr. Yoshida as the AL Rookie of the Year? So that, that means you have to you guys have to think about the next few months, man. But Rob, I'll, I'll kick it to you, man. Yeah, I, I would definitely I would definitely buy on that one. Um, I picked Gunnar Henderson to win the Rookie of the Year preseason. But look, Masataka Yoshida, not for nothing, man. There's a lot of people that talk shit on Masataka Yoshida, and I have absolutely no idea why. Like, he signed a five-year, $90 million contract with the Red Sox. That's not that crazy, like, at all. $90 million for five years for that type of hitter. This isn't like one of those... This isn't like one of those, you know, every now and then we get some Japanese players that come over that aren't really like that hyped up or anything like that. And I'm not saying like Yoshida is like a a Shohei Otani type or anything like that, but he's probably equivalent to maybe like a Hideki Matsui. You know, when Hideki Matsui came over, like Hideki Matsui was definitely posting better numbers in Japan, but Masataka Yoshida was one of the top hitters in Japan and has been one of the top hitters in Japan for like the last four seasons. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, tend to act like the MLB is the end-all, be-all of baseball in the world when it's really not. Like, the Japanese league is 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 probably the second closest thing to it, and we see a lot of good talent come out from there. We're seeing a lot more talent come out recently. Masataka Yoshida is just the first step. You know, we've seen uh, Otani. We've seen Yoshida. We're going to get, you know, Murakami in a couple years here. We're going to get Sasaki in a couple years. So there's a lot more, you know, heavy talent like that coming over, and, and it's crazy because you know, there, there were a lot of, um, I, I don't know if you guys remember that comment from the preseason, but there was that thing about like an MLB exec saying that Masaki Yoshida was worth like half of his contract. Well, half of his contract would be $45 million. So $9 million a season for a guy that's hitting over 300 and a nine and over 900 OPS for the Boston Red Sox. And has been one of the main reasons why they've been able to go on this kind of like you know medium hot run that they're on too because a lot of most people had the Red Sox including myself as as being the last place team in the division this year they're currently third they're winning ball games and Masaki Yoshida is a big reason for that Nick I know I know you have your own things with well he's not really a rookie to you but but within that line is he, is he a rookie the year for you he has to be right now to Rob's point I mean when you got a batting average over 300 and an OPS over 900 almost the rest of your numbers don't really matter for from a rookie standpoint like there's not a lot of times where you get into rookie races like you do MVP races where you really got to pick what category is your favorite. Usually it's pretty clear there's a top, top couple guys. Um, I mean, as of right now, the only other guy who's going to compete with him is Josh Young from the Rangers. If the Rangers stay around first place and they can compete the entire season, I think Josh Young might be able to get it just out of the spark. There's obviously other guys that are on that team, and Bruce Bochy's having a big impact. But if you have a rookie that comes out and he's, he's hitting 271 with an 824 OPS, it's nowhere near Yoshida. But the Rangers, I think, are more of a surprise than even the Red Sox, only because they're in first place. They're competing. So if you have a rookie that's on a first place competing team compared to a rookie who's not really a rookie, but is a rookie by MLB standards on a third place team in the AL East, that storyline could affect it. But the best rookie in baseball right now and for the, for the rest of the years, got to be Yoshida. He is absolutely killing it. There was no learning curve. It doesn't seem like there was any learning curve in him coming over. 
And one of the biggest things is how do you adjust? This guy's got years, years of professional adjustments in Japan. So if MLB pitchers adjust to him in, in the league here, he's going to be able to adjust right back because he's seen this before. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't just run away with it outside of the storyline of the Rangers staying in first place and Josh Young can continue what he's doing. But man, Yoshida looks just as polished as he was made out to be coming over. And it's a good sight to see. I love seeing guys come over and do well in MLB compared to other leagues because that just makes the world, it, it brings the game more worldwide. When you have players coming from other countries, other leagues, and come into MLB and be successful, that just makes the game more of a worldwide standard, uh, worldwide product, because now all the leagues are a little more even. The WBC was off the hook this year. That made world baseball huge because you saw these teams being able to compete with each other. You saw the playing, you know, the level of talent in other countries really there. And the more of this international flavor that we get that's successful, the better it's going to be for the game. So I hope he wins it because it's only going to improve the game worldwide. Um, Josh Young's a great talent. There's other guys out there that can win it and come out of, you know, come out and do some big things. But I think this is good for baseball. And I just, I don't see how anybody surpasses him um, with the, with the numbers he's putting up. And I don't see those numbers coming down much through the rest of the year. He was, he was my rookie of the year pick uh, for, for our award season. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that he is, he is a professional. Um, he's not someone that is going to have to, you know, his adjusting period will be, I, I assume it's going to be a little bit quicker than some of those other guys, right? I love what Jason Jung is doing this year so far. Um, big reason, big reason why the, the Rangers are where they are in first place. And even with the loss of the Grom, I, I don't think they're going to suffer too much because for me, the, the offense is kind of what carries that team anyway. When you look up and down that lineup, I don't think you have that that one guy that you're like, okay, he's the best, you know, in the MLB at, you know, he's a top 10 hitter in the MLB maybe, but you have enough of those kind of, eh, he's, he's a good player. He's an above average player to, um, you know, make a dent on you know, the standings. But Yoshida's been a big reason why the Red Sox are so hot right now. And, you know, I, I mentioned it early in the year. It's, I don't care how bad the Red Sox roster looks. They usually have enough bullshit going on in Boston that they, they play hard for Alex Cora and they're going to be a very annoying team throughout the year. And even if this team takes a, a you know nosedive come June, July, it's going to be a team that's going to be annoying and Yoshida's going to be part of that. I, I think Yoshida runs away with the rookie of the year. You know, Gunnar Henderson really hasn't been a player this year so far. Um, Anthony Volpe is not the kind of player that gets MVP votes. I mean, that gets... A rookie of the year votes, right? He's a he he does things that are great that help you win, but he's not necessarily a big stack guy, right? Like I don't think we we see him putting up any kind of crazy numbers aside from me, the stolen base numbers. Um, so you know, you, I think Yoshida has the best chance. I, I don't even think it's it's that close to be honest with you, uh, especially from what we've seen so far. Uh, but yeah, man, that that that's buy or sell. Um, you know, we, we we're at that point in the season where. It's still too early to really know things, I think, right? So you mentioned, like, the, the, the Pirates. You mentioned, you know, we'll talk about the, the, the Rangers. And I think with those teams, it's we've seen enough where we think they can be really good, but we, we don't know yet, right? Where I think come May or June, we'll know what, what those teams are, are, are really like, man. Um, look, let, let's move on. Let, let's move on from, from buy or sell to, to a quick panic meter. I want to know what's your level of concern for, for these next team or guys, right? And I'll start off with one that I am personally very concerned about, and that is Carlos Rodon. 
So panic meter on a scale of one to ten, how worried are you about the Carlos Rodon situation? And and Rob, I'll go ahead and start with you, man. To be honest, I would say probably I'm at I'm at like at a seven right now. I wouldn't say that I'm at a full blown ten simply because I think a lot of the details on the Carlos Rondon injury are still not that well known. Like we don't know if this turns into a situation where he he might announce that he's out for the whole season and he might need surgery and all this stuff. So like definitely when that official announcement or something like that comes down, like I'm sure my level of, of worry would increase. I think look, I'm I'm worried about it in the sense of like he's an investment piece, right? Like like you invest in pitchers to especially his level of pitcher. Like he was undisputably a, a top 10 starting pitcher in baseball the last two years for for pretty much at, like most people that are out there like putting their list the Yankees made that investment in him 27 million dollars a season and we still haven't seen him pitch and at least on the Yankees end like it, it hasn't necessarily been a situation that's like overly hurt them the the struggle with the Yankees this season is a thousand percent their offense their pitching is their pitching is a big is a big reason why they're still technically playing over 500 baseball if we're being completely honest but you know, Carlos Rondon is the type of piece that would push the Yankees even more up. So, like, I think last time I checked, the Yankees were something like sixth or something like that in terms of overall pitching this season. And in addition, like Carlos Rondon and, and some of the other guys who are, have also been hurt, but specifically Rondon, would do great things to boost the Yankees into top three, top two territory. They need that pitching along, you know, along with their offense waking up, but they need that pitching and Rondon definitely brings that. Um, I, I also just want to point out that, and, and Daniel knows this as well. It's almost like the Yankees don't have that much good of luck when it comes to signing starting pitchers to big contracts. Like realistically, you can argue that if you look back on the last, what, like 15 years, the two most successful contracts that they've signed have been Garrett Cole and CC Sabathia. CC Sabathia for the most part was the level of pitcher that you would want, like a, a Cy Young level guy for like two or three seasons out of the seven-year deal, if we're being honest. And Garrett Cole essentially is at a point this season in his fourth year of the contract where a lot of people are saying he's pitching up to you know the standard of the contract, even though we have differing opinions on that. But you look at some of the other ones. Back in the day when they you know they tried to sign Carl Pavano, they, they brought over Tanaka from Japan. And Tanaka, don't get me wrong, Tanaka was a decent pitcher. But Tanaka was brought over to be a number one, like a... a, a legit number one Cy Young conversation type of guy and that didn't turn out to be the case with New York now they have an investment in another guy here 162 million dollars in Carlos Rondon and it seems that every time that they try to make a big splash in the pitching market it doesn't necessarily go their way so you kind of have to step back and be like what are what are we looking to do here because I, I think they have to get to a point where they're they're developing pitching a different way like you have to try to get to a point and I know it's not necessarily the Yankees' typical way, but you have to try to get to a point where you, you're having some guys in your system develop into like some of the arms that the Rays have, the Braves have, the Dodgers have. These are teams that don't necess haven't necessarily gone out there and just spent millions to bring in starting pitching. They've done it through a lot of trades, right? You have to you trade back and forth. You get some, some valuable pieces that you know aren't necessarily going to be part of your team long-term. You flip them for prospects that you can develop and, and things like that. And it's it's something we're not seeing a lot from the Yankees. So it does worry me in that sense that because they don't have the heavy development to lean on. And it's a lot of here, I'm going to sign this check and bring you on. And then when that doesn't work out, I don't know what you do from there. Nick, man, what's your panic meter on Rodone? Full 10. Like if you have a higher part of the scale, it's going to be that. There's there's nothing about that that's positive. It's a chronic back issue. He's going in for a cortisone shot to see if that helps out. 
Um, I mean, six years, 162 million. I don't see how they get their money back on this in any way, unless he is a major portion of a postseason World Series victory over the next six years. And at that point, it doesn't matter. I guarantee you any team will pay $122 million to win a title. And if Carlos Rodon is the, if he pulls a mat, 2014 Madison Bumgarner in a postseason over the next six years, that's the only way I'm not panicking. That's the only way that this becomes worth it. But look, man, he's had two, the past two seasons he's been able to pitch. But before that, he's been injured all the time. And I remember when he came out of college with the great changeup. This was a guy that I, I loved. I love a good fastball changeup guy. I love a guy who's just going to go after hitters with change of speed and not worry about all the other stuff. And that's who this guy was and still is. I don't see how he earns this money outside of being the guy during a postseason run to a World Series title. It literally comes down to that at this point. It's a back issue as a pitcher. That can't be good. It's almost worse than having a back issue as a, as a hitter, even though there's a lot of torque with hitting. Like, There's so much in your core as a pitcher that you have to have in control of without pain to be able to repeat the delivery to be good that if he's got this kind of chronic back issue year one, um, the panic issue for me is, the, it's like the Yankees didn't pay attention to his injury past when they made this deal. Because I don't think there was another team even close to this. And the Yankees just really went all in with Judge and, and him in their offseason. The Judge is obviously why. Like, that is your team. That is your franchise currently. You have – they had to do that. No matter what the bill was, they had to pay that bill. They did not have to pay the Carlos Rodon deal. They did not have to. It helped in theory. And they got a guy who's been an ace and could really take a little bit of pressure off of Garrett Cole, but he, they, he's also had the injury history. This was, the amount of years was really surprising to me for the Yankees, and as of right now, man, as much as I like Carlos Rodon, if he's not, at some point in his tenure with the Yankees, unless they somehow find a way to flip him and get a pitcher back that is going to be successful for them, um, it's going to take a postseason run where he is the guy to get them a World Series title. Outside of that, I don't know if you can even expect 20 starts a year from this guy. And if you got 20 starts a year, it's going to be tough to say what success he would need out of those 20. He would have to be Jacob DeGrom level success to be worth that money with only doing 20 starts a year. And I don't see that out of him. It, it, it's weird, man. My, my panic level with him is less about like the injury situation because I, I think the way it works is you had to know that he was going to be hurt at some point during this contract. Um, you hope that it wouldn't be so early on. But I'm I'm less worried about the contract and its longevity than I am what it means for this year for the Yankees. So one of the things that and this has nothing to do with his injury. One one of the things that that worried me about um, that worries me about Rodon is like in an interview yesterday, talking to um, Aaron Morakovitz, whatever her name is, uh, for, for the Yankees. Uh, you know, he was talking about what it means to go back to the the, the Yankees this season, right and one of the things that he that he said that for me was kind of surprising and it kind of just gives me the state of where he's at right now is when he was talking about the Yankees, he was like, yeah, you know, I, I think, I, you know, it, it would be good to get back to them, right? Um, they, they, they really need to, to win. I mean, they, it would be back to, it would be great to come back to help them and stuff like that where it's like, nah, bro, like you're part of the team now. This is an us thing, right? Like usually when you're talking about a baseball team and you're on that team, it's not them, it's, it's us. Right? It, it, this is our team. This is our journey towards the World Series. And I don't know why. It rubbed me the wrong way yesterday, right? Just the way he, he, he was talking about it as if he was like a – it sounded more like he was kind of like a one, one-year one hitman than he was someone who thought he was, he was on the Yankees, which as a Yankee fan, that kind of bothered me. 
And I think I'm more worried about that than I am any actual kind of like injury. But the fact that it's a, a it's a back injury that okay, basically you're saying, hey, you're kind of fine, bro. Like it just hurts because, you know, you feel like it hurts, but we can't see anything that structurally wrong with it. Um, that that kind of sucks, right? Because I think we all have back pain, right? You're over if you're over 28, you have back pain. It just is what it is, man. Um, so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. But my panic meter, I'm I'm at full, I'm at full 10 for the season. I think um over the span of the contract i'm less worried about that at this point but yeah for this for this year's not looking good man um panic meter on, on the st louis cardinals who by the way uh part of this panic meter and you guys can, can allude to it too it's uh wilson Contreras has been moved out of the catcher position and will be primarily DHing and be their 18th outfielder uh for for, for the st louis cardinals what is your panic meter on the Cardinals, man? And and Nick, I'll start with you because you had that Pirates hat on, so I know you're a little bit happy about this. Uh, yeah, my panic meter is is one because who wants to see the Cardinals <laughs> win first place again over and over again? No, this, uh, it's got to be a ten as long as uh, Oliver Marmol is the head coach, the manager. If once he's gone, the panic meter goes down. But I I really think that a lot of this is from him. I I just don't think he knows how to lead the team. Uh, he's already getting into fights with. Some of his stars, you know, there's, I don't hear anybody backing him up and I'm not tuned into the Twitterverse. You know, I'm not really logged into all the Cardinals, you know, local podcasts and whatnot, but I haven't heard anybody on that team come back up Marmol. And by the guy, the guys I'm talking about, anybody, I'm talking about your leaders, your Wainwrights, your Arenados and your Goldschmidt's, the guys who could really calm the storm. I don't hear them backing him up and maybe I'm missing something, but and when you don't have anybody on your team backing up your manager and you have your manager in the forefront of so many headlines, that's not a good thing. And it's all just questionable stuff. I mean, they're putting Wilson Contreras as a scapegoat for the pitching staff doing what they're doing. Look, Jack Flaherty just isn't good. Adam Wainwright is hurt. You just have a lot of guys that while you traditionally had a pitching factory out of St. Louis, look who they're, a lot of their guys now they've signed on to. They've brought guys in to do things they were doing on other teams and they haven't really developed their own guys. So for me, it's a full panic because I don't see how they're going to pull out of this, even with the Cardinal way. Last year, they had two MVP seasons and two storylines. They had Arenado and Goldie battling for the MVP. When you've got two MVPs on your team, you better make the playoffs. And then you have historical guys such as Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina that are just pulling you through magic. They had four different guys that for different reasons kind of magically in the game of baseball and get you to be better. And they don't have that this year. And now it's just really pulling through to me that maybe their talent level isn't really there. Having so many outfielders, maybe not a good thing. As good as we want to say that the Cardinals are with player development because of guys like Randy Rosarena who go and light the world on fire over in Tampa Bay, maybe they're choosing the wrong guys to keep. You know, Harrison Bader coming back from injury already doing pretty well for the Yankees. Like the Cardinals outfielders that they get rid of are doing better. And to be honest with you, as bad as Jordan Walker was doing to start the year, you're not in first place. Like, let him play this out. If that is your future, like, he, if he's one of the 18 outfielders and moving around learning the position, how is he going to better learn it to be successful on the big league club than on the big league club? I don't see where putting him down in the minors does anything for anybody when it comes to the win total. So there really seems to be a, just a lot of decisions that don't make sense and it aren't the typical Cardinals decisions. And so there's a lot up in the air for me as to what is the reason for them being so bad this year and how do they come out of it? I just don't see it happening. 
Wilson Contreras is one of the best, if not the best catchers in the game overall. The way he can stop the run game, um, the way he can catch a game, and his offense altogether, it's hard to not put him in that conversation. He's top three when you talk about overall game without a doubt. To pull him off the catcher position because of what's happening with the pitching staff this year, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's it's not his fault, and they're pretty much putting on him. So I think the Cardinals are a mess right now, so the panic meter's got to be a 10 just because there's there's no end to this in sight, and there's no positivity coming out in a general sense. There's not really anything you can look at and say, well, they have this, so let's look at that and lean on that. They just don't really have anything going their way positively right now. It's it's a it's a full panic. So I'm going to go a 9 because I think the Rodon 10 is a higher level, so I'll go 9 just to not be put on the same level as Rodon. All right. All right. Yo, uh, Rob, what's your panic meter for the, for the St. Louis Cardinals? Yeah, man, that, that definitely has to be at a 10. Um, agree with a lot of what Nick said. You know, I think, look, you have to take a step back. We, we talked about it a little bit last week when it comes to the problem that I'm seeing when it comes to the hiring of managers. Like, I don't think a lot of teams are doing a, a good enough job at, like, interviewing enough people to take over a team. Like, look, we have to be real here. Like, someone like, what, well, whoever you want to point at, Bruce Bochy, Buck Walter, right? Like, those are those are great managers. At the same time, they would also, they also are, like, fit managers like they're obviously going to have more success on when on certain teams than others even though they I, I would bet that they would be a good manager wherever they go a lot of other guys don't even have like proper experience to be like honestly to be getting the jobs that they're getting like you can make an argument why did you why did the cardinals bring on oliver marmol to replace um who was it mike mike show at the time who was the manager of the cardinals why did they replace him with oliver marmol oh they wanted they wanted to get the right person in there to bring them a title. And that's Oliver Marmol. Like that, that's, that's the person that you wanted to manage this team to bring you a title. Like, I don't, I don't understand any of it at all. Like there, you, you have, you pretty much show your hand at whether you're able to be a successful manager or not with the teams that you get to, because let's be honest, the Cardinals have some of the best talent in the league. Like when you look at their team completely, like as a completely built unit, they won first place in the central last year. How much of that was on Oliver Marmol? Because I can't put a lot of it on him when you have Paul Goldschmidt win an NL MVP award, Nolan Arenado right there, right behind them, essentially. You have two of the best at their positions in the league. You have a lot of other, you know, side pieces in, on your team that are that are getting stuff done. Tommy Edmond, you know, making an all-star game and all this stuff. You were getting, obviously, overachievement from some of the pitchers that you had on your staff. And now the time comes to manage. You're just in your second year, and now the time comes to manage. You get presented with difficult, you know, situations like the Tyler O'Neill, the 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 situation with Marmol making comments on Tyler O'Neill and all that type of stuff. And you're just showing that you're not built for this. Like, like I'm sorry, but like that's the reality. Some guys are just not built for this. Like, and a lot of guys are getting jobs just like, oh yeah, like like we had a great interview with him. Yeah, he he was all positive. Look, sometimes you don't necessarily have to like the person that you're hiring. Right. Like if, if your objective is to win and like, oh, this guy's going to be the best person for our team. Sometimes like, hey, you're going to have to hire a manager that's like got a little bit of an asshole to him, has a little bit of an edge. Like that's how it is. Like I'm, I'm not I'm sure like a guy like Volk, Buck Showalter ain't like, you know, oh, oh, my God, his personality is so great and all this stuff. No, because he takes the game like a little more seriously, like in a, low key in some ways, like an obsession, which I'm not saying every manager out there has to go and treat the game like that. But it's kind of something that's good to see in a lot of managers, especially if you want your team to be in that contending position, which the Cardinals say that they do. 
But nah, man. And, and notice how most of this talk has been on Oliver Mamal. I haven't even mentioned Contreras. I haven't mentioned Walker. Because again, he is probably the, t- the guy that I would put there at the top. The One of the first things that I mentioned when they signed Wilson Contreras was what? I said, Wilson Contreras could have one of the best seasons of his career if the Cardinals pair him up with Yadier Molina and they get Yadier Molina to work with him, improve his catching game even more. And then having just that natural leadership, having Yadier around, it's something that like any organization would be lucky to have. The Cardinals have not done any of that. And now like we're a month into the season and they're talking about Wilson Contreras possibly playing outfield for them. Guess what? Keep him at DH full time because Wilson Contreras should not be in your outfield. Like you want to send down Jordan Jordan Walker because of bad defense or whatever. Wilson Contreras is not your answer to put in the outfield either. So like, hey, if the Contreras brothers are just going to be DHs from here on out, like it is what it is. But the Cardinals are just not not doing like the right moves. And I've mentioned it a bunch of times and I know that it comes off as bias, but it's really not. They have to link up with Yadier Molina. They just, they have to link up with Yadier Molina. That's the reality. Whether you want Yadier Molina to be the next manager, whether you want him to be a coach on the team, whatever it is, Yadier Molina having that presence, guess what? He would still be a massive clubhouse presence. He would still be a leader of that clubhouse if you have him around, even with him not being a current, you know, official on the, on the field player, because that's the type of guy that he was. And again, it's, it's, it's kind of like you gave Wilson Contreras too big of shoes to fill, right? Like a lot of people are critiquing Wilson Contreras for the performance of the pitching staff. We're going to sit here and act like Yadier Molina didn't make a bunch of Cardinals pitchers throughout the year look way better than they actually are. If you look back at those Cardinals teams, there were maybe like, there's two guys that you could point at where you could be like, that guy was a definite Cy Young contender. Probably in the last 20 years, Chris Carpenter and Adam Wainwright. That's been about it. Everyone else has just been an, an over, over, you know, over exceeding expectations of themselves in a lot of ways. When they leave the Cardinals, they don't pitch as well. When they got to the Cardinals, they do better. Like, again, a lot of that has been on Yadier Molina. And sometimes it's just too big of shoes to fill. Wilson Contreras has not done good enough of a job to kind of be able to offset some of the, some of the, some of the downfalls of a lot of the pitchers in St. Louis system. And that's what's been showing this season. You know, it, 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 it's crazy, right? So my, my panic meter with them is I'm only at a five, to be honest with you. I, look, they're, they're, they're 10 games back of the division. They're 10 games back from a team that I think we all, if we had to guess, they, they probably were our last place team. For everyone except Nick, they were like the NL Central's yeah, last place. Yeah, Nick got that one. <laughs> yeah, Nick, Nick's riding that horse. But, <laughs> you know, it's them and the Brewers, who Brewers are also due to start losing pretty soon as well. Right, like they're not a team that I think the Brewers aren't a team that runs away with the division. Is what I'm trying to say. There's a world where the Cardinals come in and make it close. But let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What is your thought on the Cardinals the rest of the way? If they finish the season with Marmol as manager, or if they let Marmol go and get a new manager, how how do you feel better about them? It's tough, man. Because look, sometimes when it comes to getting a manager, my thought on it is you can't just get a manager and do hey let's see how it goes i think whenever you come you come as a manager it's this is we want our organization to be for the next at least five years if you're not hiring managers in that way and you're just saying oh come in here we'll see how you do you're probably not a successful team that's why as as much as i hate aaron boone and and how bad i think he is as a manager i'm not mad at the yankees for saying hey look this is going to be our culture for the next 10 years it's either going to work, it's either not going to work, right? We'll, we'll find out in those next 10 years. 
And, you know, some teams don't do that. Cardinals obviously haven't done that. They went from Matheny from Matheny to, to Schmidt to, you know, Marmola now. And there's never been a place in plan. There's never been a plan in place that says, this is why we're doing it. So my opinion is long-term, if Marmol had that image for you, then stick with Marmol through this period. If, however, your thought in hiring Marmol was, you know what, we're interested, let's see how he can do it, if he can do it, then at that point, fire him, because then he, he's pretty much showing you, eh, it's not really what I wanted to see right now. Uh, you know, to me, it, it's hard to say just fire someone who just got the job, because it, it is it is a long season. It is a marathon season. Like last year, um, when Rob Thompson took over for Joe Girardi, everyone loved it, right? Hey, Rob Thompson, man, he's a good manager. I'm not saying he's a bad manager, but we're in 2023 now, and are we going to say the Phillies look as good as any time they did last year? I don't think so, right? Like, like I don't think we can say, oh, my, uh, what's it called? Uh, Rob Thompson, you're doing a great job. You know what I mean? Like, no, you had a moment last year. And now maybe you weren't the best answer for a long-term manager position. We'll see, right? Like, it's still early. Um, but with, with, like, with the Cardinals, moving, moving away from uh, Wilson Contreras' catcher position, I mean, Wilson Contreras at the catcher position, it's dumb. You have a positional advantage at the catcher position because you get to stick an offensive option back there. An offensive option, by the way, which doesn't cost you defensively like some other offensive options. He's not Mitch Garver. He wasn't Gary Sanchez, and Gary Sanchez is fine. right? He is not a competent defensive catcher. He is a good defensive catcher. Right now, if you look at the defensive metrics, like, like things like defensive war and and you know stats that deal or analytics that deal specifically with defense, Wilson Contreras is up there in the top five. You know what? William Contreras is also in the top five. So both Contreras brothers up seem to have up their game this year. To say, hey, we're going to take that away, and instead we're going to opt to put in, put you in the outfield, because for whatever reason we think that that's going to fix any kind of problem. That's asinine to me. Right. Plus, you already have such a log jam at, 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 in the outfield, man. Like, a team that can't find a spot for Jordan Walker in the outfield isn't a team that should be converting either catcher to an outfielder. That, that that's just me, right? Like, you know, you mentioned you, you mentioned guys like Randy Rosarena. Well, he was he was a Cardinal, right? They they do a good job of developing players. If if this if the if the Cardinals were a spending team, what I would say to them is it's not that they're not spending team, right? Goldschmidt and and Arnaldo got pretty big contracts. But if you tell me, hey, we, we think we have a chance of signing Otani, what I would do if I was them, I'd send over um, Carlson, Jordan Walker. I'd send over, I don't know, whatever, Mason Wynn and like Matt Libertor. Find, go find your fifth team and send us Otani. See, see, if, see if they can make, make a deal happen for Otani. Because they have the prospects to do it. They have, they have the prospects to do it. It's just whether or not they're willing to do it. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, Cardinals for me, they're they're five. I, I think it's it's gonna be a it's a long summer, and they, they just gotta figure it out. <laughs> that's that's pretty much where I'm at with them, man. Um, yeah, yeah. I I I, I don't know. I, I can't I can't see I, I can't see it going too badly. Let, let's do one more of these, man. And it's the New York Mets. The New York Mets currently sit at five hundred, 
And they haven't looked great, right? Justin Verlander's been on the IL pretty much all year. Scherzer had his little uh, suspension. Everyone else kind of looks average. On a level of 1 to 10, what's your panic meter with the New York Mets? Man, Rob, I'll start with you. Yeah, with the, with the Mets, I'll probably say it's out of five. Um, again, that just goes based off off of expectation that I had for them this season. They haven't had Justin Verlander healthy yet. Um, you know, you can look at some of Max Scherzer's numbers and sure, a little bit of, of them are elevated. Like he's not the Max Scherzer of the last like two seasons. Um, but again, he still is Max Scherzer. I expect him to to come out and play well, especially in some of the Mets big ga- big games. Um, they've gotten, you know, a lot of production from some guys like Nimmo has definitely been producing well. Pete Alonso has been producing well, but should be producing better in terms of, you know, like OPS and things like that. He, one thing he's always going to do is hit home runs for you. I think Lindor has been doing all right. He's a little down from last season, um, but they're, they're getting the production that they're getting. I, I think when you look at the Mets, the expectation is that they're still probably going to be a playoff team. Um, they, I don't look at the rest of that division. Like Atlanta's definitely taking that division um, 100%. Like, like I said before in the preseason that I thought Atlanta was probably going to have their highest win total in the last 20 something years. So they're definitely taking that division. Um, but the Mets, I think they're right there in, in terms of getting a wild card spot. Again, I don't see the the Phillies would be the closest thing that I see to them. I don't see Miami sustaining like, you know, long top level, uh, like playoff baseball for the, for the remainder of the season. Um, the Nationals, obviously not. Um, so in terms of the division, I think the Mets still have a pretty good shot of like kind of putting it together and then making the postseason. And then from there, it's, it's, Look, it's kind of like what you pointed out earlier. From there, it's kind of like everybody's game. When, once postseason starts, it's not really a, a situation where, oh, the best team on paper or, or everyone's main prediction preseason like is automatically, you know, the, the team that wins the title and gets to the World Series. Like what we saw last year, it's like, hey, the Phillies. The Phillies had a run last year. They were not by any means a, a lot of people's like best team in the postseason and they got to the World Series. So it, it can be like that for the Mets, potentially getting the postseason and then having to see how you do from there um because po- come postseason time you know fully healthy Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander as your one two is probably as good as you can get um in terms of what we've seen the last couple seasons so um that's probably what they have to get to they just have to have that mentality right you can't stress out about it in the sense of like oh man we're not winning the division for the Mets it's literally just make the postseason and see what you can do because you do have the talent to kind of make some noise but we know that for the Mets that it ain't always the easiest thing. So, um, but yeah, no, my panics are probably out of five. I think they'll start to figure things out as the season moves on. Yeah, for me, it's definitely a little bit higher. It's a seven, but I also picked them to win the division. So I have to be a little more panicked because the the chance of them winning the division, definitely not looking good. And, you know, it it's crazy because there's a lot to it injury-wise of their top guys. You know, Edwin Diaz, yes, he was out before the season, but I really thought that their bullpen would come together a little bit better than it has with Ottavito. And Robertson. Robertson's been good, but Ottavito, Rayleigh, the other guys they're kind of leaning on back there, not as good. You bring in Jose Quintana, who hasn't pitched to you, and he's going to be off the shelf maybe for the entire season. They were probably expecting him to be the number four, maybe even the number three uh, in their in their lineup because you didn't know what you were going to get with Senga. And Kodai Senga's been decent to start the year, but 22 walks and 32 innings, that's way too much. Um, that's more than just adjustments. That's You're just not throwing the ball over the plate. And he's got a 1.5 whip. That's terrible. A one and a half whip is really, really bad. You want your aces. And Senga, with the contract coming in and with the hype, was he wasn't going to be an ace over a Verlander and a Scherzer, but he was definitely, you know, that 3 4 with Quintana. And he's pitching worse than Quintana from a whip standpoint. Um, they just have a lot that's not going right. And there's not really a lot that's looking like it's going to come back around and be good. 
Uh, love getting Verlander back, but the fact that he was out for that long is still scary, especially just one year removed from Tommy John. Did he overdo it last year in a Cy Young year? Or is he going to be that crazy robot that, you know, the the anomaly of Justin Verlander that starts off throwing 93 in the first, ends up throwing 100 in the eighth and ninth. If he's that guy, then there's a little bit of hope. But this early in the season, 17 and 17, a negative free run differential, that's really bad. You're You're allowing more runs than you're scoring. And their offense is just not what it was last year. And that's that's the scary part for me as much as their pitching staff has failed their pitchers just aren't there and they may maybe don't have the depth but Lindor is looking mediocre again like he was a couple years ago that's a scary piece you we all had Lindor as our number one shortstop I believe going into the season because of what he did last year we thought he was back to being that guy and he's going back to not being the guy and if you have you know, your number one contract, your shortstop in New York, your your Mr. Smiles, the guy who's living up the party. If he's not going to be that at least 800 OPS, like at least that's a big hole in your lineup. And when you have your leadoff guy, Brandon, I can't really play center field Nimmo, but I'm going to as your number one guy in OPS on the team. That's a rough thing. As much as I like Nimmo, um, I try to have him on my fantasy teams every year. I think he's very underrated for getting on base. He's leading the team with an 879 OPS. Which, don't get me wrong, there are some teams that you would love an 879 OPS as your leader. If you're the Marlins, you want your number one guy to be hitting 879 in the OPS. You would love that. You are not expecting that. But when you have guys like Lindor and Alonzo, and even Starling Marte, to be honest with you, he's at a 540 OPS. When you've got those guys as not your top guy, that's pretty scary. You want Brandon Nimmo to be a positive addition at 879. You don't want him to be leading the team when you have those other guys on the team. And you never know. Anything can happen in baseball. Obviously, they could start all clicking together. And that's where my panic meter doesn't go higher than a seven is because I do believe that Lindor can get back into that 850 OPS by the end of the year. He can go on streaks like that. Alonzo can hit eight home runs in a week. Like, that can happen. And he can do that multiple weeks in a year. So assuming that the guys who aren't playing as well come back up and your rookies like Brett Beatty to keep doing what he's doing, Nimmo keeps doing what his, he's doing, you have a healthy Justin Verlander, um, and then you know Kodai Senga ends up lowering that that whip and those walks if he can control his pitch a little bit better. I see a path for them coming around, not competing for the division like that was that might as well have been a hot take rather than actual prediction because that shit ain't happening for sure. But I can see how they can get into the playoff race. the The thing for me is in that division, I see the Phillies even though as bad as they're playing. I see where the Phillies come around and make some noise, especially with Bryce Harper coming back this early. That's a big storyline for them. And that was a big bat that they weren't having at the beginning of the year. And to me, it just really feels like the Phillies are maybe a closer team than the Mets. They have, I think the Mets were planning on a little more depth than the Phillies and the Phillies high end team talent is what's going to drive that team and they're getting that back. So to me, it's going to be a real close race between the Mets and the Phillies at this point for second place. But the Mets, is it's a seven for me. I don't see them missing the playoffs necessarily, but they definitely are not going to be winning the division. I got to agree, man. Like my, my panic meter on the Mets is like at, at a three. They'll, they'll make the playoffs. I, I always thought that the Braves were a better team than them a, anyway, to be honest with you. Well, you know, there's a lot of good things happening for the Mets too, right? So, yes, Brandon Nemo should not be playing center field. I, I, I do agree that they can. there's better center fielders out there, right? Which is a reason why I said, yo, look, that contract's crazy. But, you know, aside, aside from that, look, 
Pete Alonso is doing Pete Alonso things right. He's he's a lead leader leader in home runs. Um, you look at guys, you know, on on the Mets. I can't, I can't, I can't say that I'm too worried, right? Like, yeah, the Lindor regression is happening, and, and you know, we we kind of saw it a couple of years ago, right? Where may, maybe Lindor is not as a offensively gifted, or not even offensively gifted. His numbers aren't what we thought they would be at this point in his career. But but that's okay. Like, I'm I'm not too worried about the Mets. I, I think the rest of that division kind of sucks. I, I, you know, to me, I'm, I was still surprised that the Phillies made it to, to, to the World Series last year, and going into this year, they didn't, they didn't really have a better team. Yeah, they had a Trey Turner, but you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just never been a fan of the, of, of this Philadelphia team, uh, so I'm not like worried that they'll, that they'll come in, uh, come in and make things competitive at all. And then Nationals and Marlins, like, I, I don't think they're serious, right? I think they're, they're not serious contenders, especially not the Nationals. So with with the Mets, it's more just like they'll be frustrating. They'll they'll end up winning more games than they lose. They'll get a wild card spot, and then you're going into the playoffs with a Max Scherzer and a Justin Verlander, and maybe um, Senga figures this shit out before uh, you know the postseason. You know, I, I I don't know, but I'm not too worried about the Mets. Pete Alonso, I, I I think in his own way, not in his own way, he'll, he'll be an MVP contender. I think. Right, I think there'll be times where Francisco Lindor gets really hot, and now we're looking at a Francisco Lindor with a 900 OPS for the span of a month or something like that. So I'm, you know, I'm the first to talk shit about the Mets, and trust me, I want to really bad, uh, but the, I mean, I don't know. I'm just not too worried about it. I, I think they'll, I think they'll be fine, right? Like, I, there's a lot of teams right now with a lot of bad like rhetoric, right? Where we're like, oh, what's wrong with this team? What's wrong with this team? And the really only team that we should be worried about is the Cardinals because they're the only one that whose record and panic meter kind of attaches to each other. You know what I mean? Like, they're last place. They've won 10 games this year, right? Like, the division leader Pirates have won twice that. But, but for every other – all of these others, like, panic teams, like the Mets, they're at 500 right now, and we're, we're in May, right? The Yankees, who a lot of people are panicking about. This is a last-place team. Yeah, they're also two games above 500, right? Everyone in the AL East is above 500. So it's like, am I panicking about the Yankees? I mean, no, just because everything is so close in the AL East, aside from the Rays. And we so far, it's been a good series with the Rays, so it's not like they're a team that's so far and ahead above the Yankees, right? So I'm not like, oh, crap, we have, a bad, we have that bad of a team. Then th- across the league, right, like Astros are, the Astros panicking? I don't think they are, right? Like, th- they're not in first place right now. You have the Angels and the Rangers in front of them. But I don't think the Astro, Astro fans are like, oh, fuck, this we got to retool everything. we got to change everything, right? So, you know, same thing with the Padres, right? Like, you know, Tatis Jr. came back, and he's been on fire, man. I, I'm sorry, but he's the best player by far on that on that team. And, I, you know, I love Machado, and, and Juan Soto's there, and Bogart's the monster, but Tatis Jr. is a top three player in this game. And the only three people I put in front of him or alongside him are, like, Shohei Otani and, like, Judge. And maybe Mike, Mike Trout when he's healthy, right? Like, it's 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 been kind of nuts, but yeah, Mets Mets don't don't really have you know have me in a panic mode. But guys, let me ask you this, man: is there, is there anything you guys want to end off on, and anything we didn't cover that you wanna that you wanna mention before we get out of here? Not too much. I think you know Nick mentioned it a little bit, but you know the return of Bryce Harper, uh, Bryce Harper coming back to the Phillies. I think it's gonna be very important to the Phillies season, um, especially having a guy like Bryce Harper. I was looking at it earlier today, 
And it's like crazy to think about that. Like Bryce Harper still has nine years left with the Phillies, like on that contract, you know? And it's, it's not saying that like Bryce Harper is old or anything like that, but because you know that, you know, Bryce Harper has had his fair share of injuries. Now you also have Trey Turner who got locked up to an 11 year deal. So it's essentially the Phillies telling you like our stars for the next two seasons, for the next not two seasons, like these 10 okay. years that are coming up. Yeah. It's like Trey Turner and Bryce Harper. And, and, you know, that's a good duo to have. But the Phillies also need to take care of so many more things. Like, they, they're one of the top – they're top 10 when you look at, you know, their batting average and, like, OPS this season as a team. They're also in the bottom third of the league when you start looking at their pitching and, like, their ERA and their whip and, like, their opponent's batting average against their pitchers. Like, they're, they're, their pitching hasn't been anything crazy. Like, and it's wild to say because when you look at a guy like Zach Wheeler, for example – like Zach Wheeler, his, his ERA is elevated, but his FIP is third in the NL behind Spencer Strider and Zach Gallen, who are two of the top candidates that people have right now to, to win the Cy Young this season. So it's not like he's pitching terribly in terms of like analytics sake. Um, but for Bryce, he's going to be a big part of that team, man. I, like we've talked about it before. It might just be a situation where like, if you don't have to put Bryce in the outfield, don't put him in the outfield. Cause we all know that like the value that he brings to your team, any team realistically is on offense. He's he, Bryce Harper. It, one thing he will not forget how to do is to hit. So if he's going to be your DH for the rest of the life of that contract, like you're still going to get 800 some on his worst season, you'll get 800 something OPS from Bryce Harper because that's just the type of player that he is. And I think the priority for them has to be to keep him healthy. We can't have unrealistic expectations either, right? Like they made the World Series last year. You're not telling me that the Phillies are a World Series contender. Their fans should not feel that way. General baseball fans shouldn't feel that way. The Phillies still have a lot of things to fix. Again, when you make the postseason, it, sometimes it's about runs. The Phillies went on a run. It is what it is. But now it's more about properly building around Bryce Harper and Trey Turner and some of the younger guys that they have coming up. Yeah, for me, it's just the Bryce Harper. And from a, just a different perspective, this guy, in my opinion, can't do any wrong. Like, this should be the face of baseball for all the reasons. He's coming back months early from Tommy John. He put in the work. He's willing to change positions. Uh, one thing that I didn't even realize until just a couple weeks ago is that Reese Hoskins is a free agent after this year. So he doesn't even get to play going into his free agent year. And they've already filled his position with a better person who's on the team. That's, I mean, that sucks for Reese Hoskins. But for Bryce Harper, man, look, he was in the limelight at 16 years old, cover Sports Illustrated. He graduated high school early, so he could go play junior college baseball early. He played junior college baseball with a wooden bat when he could have played with a metal bat. He's done all of these things to put himself in a position to be the best player in Major League Baseball year in, year out. And he's doing it. Like, this is one of the guys that you go into every single season, and he is on that list for preseason MVP. Like, even with him being hurt, like, he's still got to be a favorite right now coming back this early this year. And he does it with the right attitude. He does it with the right work ethic. He does it with respect to every level of the game, whether it's the minor league players, the coaches, even the press, like he's had some pop-offs to the press, but they've always been the right way. Like clown question, bro. It was, it was a dumb question to ask a 19 year old kid and you got called out on it. Everything Bryce Harper does, in my opinion, he's doing it the right way. It uh, just makes me like him even more to come back this early. And honestly, to have an impact right away. Like, yeah, it's just a few games where you're hitting 375 with a 1.069 OPS. I don't give a shit. There's lots of players who would come back after this type of injury and not have that even after these first few games. He's doing it right away. I, you know, big ups to Bryce Harper. I'm glad, so happy to see this. Um, and I hope he continues it all season for sure. I mean, let's be honest, man. He's baseball's LeBron James. Uh, I think, right, where he had so much expectation. 
and he's met the expectation, right? He's won his MVPs. He's you know he, now he's been to the World Series. He didn't win the World Series in in nineteen with the Nationals. He's one year away from from, from being on that team. Um, but you know the, the point is he is he's he's really good, right? Um, you know my, my thing to end off on is just I don't know. It's it's been a good season so far. I I think this so far this year that the rules have been awesome. I I I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the pace of play. I'm enjoying um you know just so much more all the all the extra action I'm seeing. I feel like this really is an an, an athlete's game, right? Randy Rosarena, who we touched upon just a little bit, like I, this this year I thought was gonna be a a really good year for him. He's doing way better than I thought he was gonna do. Don't get me wrong, but I, I thought coming into this year he was gonna have a good year, and and he's doing that right now. Um, a little bit more to do with the power than uh, with anything else, but still, that's that, that that's critical to see, man. And uh, I, I I obviously don't love the Rays. But uh, it's good to see players like that kind of com- coming out. And, and they're exciting, man. Look, Randy Rosarena, Wander Franco Flip, right? Cease Jr., who I just mentioned. Bryce Harper, right? These are all – they're not just baseball players, man. They're, they're showmen. They're going out there, and they understand that there's also an entertainment value to baseball. And if you're a kid, how are you not going to get excited about these players compared to, like, the other ones who just kind of go about their business with – Granted, it's really important. It's so important. You do need you do need guys like that, but to have guys who are intentionally making this game just a better product on screen at the ballpark, right? Like, how cool would it be if for for, for granted nobody goes to Rays games, but with the guys, whenever people do go to Rays games, and you're standing in left field, and if Randy Rosarena makes a catch around you, you know you're going to be on TV. You know he's going to do some kind of he's going to cross his arms at you or. Or make some sign, or throw you a ball, and and make it look cool, like that's that's gotta be that that's something you want to go to, right? It's Tease Jr. You're just trying to catch a bomb because you know he's gonna dance around the, the bases, you know he's gonna do something, uh, seemingly nuts every day. He's just a very productive player, and like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that team's been better since since the Tease Jr. got got back up. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I just love it, right? Aaron Judge should be coming back soon. This week, he's another star of the game. Julio Rodriguez hasn't been as good so far this year as he was last year. But when he's on, he's a showman, right? Ronald Cunha Jr. Ronald Cunha Jr. might be the greatest showman, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been a great season so, so far for MLB, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. But that does it for us. We will catch you guys next week. By the way, keep an eye out for schedule changes. We, we might be uh, changing things up here in the near future. And if we do, we'll definitely let you guys know.